0: So I feel there's a push of the Holy Spirit for God's people, you and I, to think bigger, dream bigger, and pray bigger prayers in these last days. And so I was thinking about, um, and why? Because we, we, we need to reach uh, the next generation for Jesus as well as a generation now for Jesus. And so he's calling us to do that. But he wants you to think bigger, dream bigger, and pray bigger prayers. And I was thinking about, Tommy Barnett, who has a son who's Matthew Barnett, and Matthew Barnett, Tommy Barnett is a pastor in Arizona, and his son Matthew uh, runs the Dream Center in Los Angeles, and that Dream Center is amazing. They own, literally own blocks in Los Angeles, and they reach out to the poor and the needy and the broken and the addicted and prostitutes, and they, they, they just bring the love of God into this environment. And, and that's his son doing that. That's the next generation doing that. And so when when asked Tommy, the dad, if you could go back in ministry, and he's in his 70s now, if you can go back in ministry and change anything in ministry, what would you do? And he said, I would have prayed bigger prayers because every single prayer that I prayed, God answered. Let me say that again. I wasn't too excited about that, but every single prayer that he prayed, God answered. So I want to encourage you pray bigger prayers. I think that we think about praying a lot, but we don't actually pray a lot. Come on, right? Yep. Thinking is good, but it doesn't cut the mustard. It cuts the cheese more. It, <laughs> this, this, this is what comes out. Forgive me, Lord. Right off the bat. Listen, it doesn't what, but what happens is when you vocally say, Lord, in Jesus' name, I believe you got a promise in my life. I believe there's a promise for my children, my children's children. I believe, God, that you want to reach more people than I could ever imagine. I believe, God, that you want your love, Jesus, to permeate a place and change an environment. I believe it. You got to speak it out, declare it. It, it, doesn't, it, it doesn't mean as much or really anything, a little if, if, it, if it's just thought about, Right? So I think there's a push, and that's why this prayer this uh, it, this comes today because I believe in this room there are barrier breakers. God is speaking to your heart about doing something bigger than you. Matter of fact, if you feel uncomfortable and you feel like it's impossible, that's excellent. That means it's God. If it's something you feel like you can do, may not be the Lord. So it's something that's bigger than you. It's God to do the unthinkable, thinkable, unimaginable, and the seemingly impossible. Again, so that we reach as many people in these last days. That's why when Pastor John and Lisa, when they talk about giving, I, I believe with all my heart, every time I get up in our church and I say, listen, here's our opportunity to give because I guarantee you every time you give, a life is changed for Jesus. When you walk through those pearly gates, I'm just, just when, when you get through, you'll go, oh, Dan was right. When you get through the pearly gates because you gave, you served, you encouraged, you did something for God, you're gonna meet someone that you never met before. And, and they're going to go, thank you so much. Thank you so much for doing what you did. I'm here because of what you gave. I'm telling you, trust me, just, 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 just say, you can, you, you can say, well, whatever right now, but I guarantee when you get in heaven, you're going to see that. So I would say take every single opportunity that you have right now in these last days to just give love, give Jesus, give of your life, do whatever you can to change, change uh, lives. Amen? the next generation, barrier breakers. Uh, it's, it's so amazing um, to see the barrier breaker because, again, they are the difference maker. They're, they're the life changer. But it's so easy also to be comfortable and to, to give into the predictable. And the barrier breaker is an action phrase. Say action. <laughs> Meaning you can do something to improve your life And present circumstances in order to affect people now and in the next generation. You don't have to settle for average. You don't have to settle. You don't have to be stuck. That's not God. God wants you to, even if it's a step forward, He wants you to move forward. Matter of fact, the word blessed means to move forward, it means happy, but look at it, it means to go forward. So if I say I'm blessed, I'm actually moving forward, I'm progressing. God isn't looking for perfection. He's just looking for progression. So just move forward. Do something with what God's given you to do. Don't settle. You don't have to be a product of your past. You can change your life and the lives of people. So in my life, if God hadn't intervened, I would have been a product of my environment, living in you know, uh, a, an environment where Jesus wasn't talked about, where there was abuse, alcoholism, Addiction, their death. I mean, there's just so much happening in our lives, um, sickness, that when Jesus intervened in 1994, that's when everything began to change my life. I then became a barrier breaker. I am a first generation pastor in my entire family. Pastor John is a first generation pastor in his family. Lisa, I'm not, is that for you too? Are you the first generation pastor right there? First generation pastors first-generation barrier breakers. And so are you. Like, you, you might be the very first Christian or follower of Jesus in your family. Man, give yourself, a, give yourself a hand. I'll tell you something right now because that is extremely important for you to understand. First-generation barrier breakers. I can expect my kids to do the same. Matter of fact, it's so cool seeing the Praminskys and their three sons living for God. Just found out that Colin's got a voice. Didn't even know that, man. He's got good looks, but he's got a voice too. So now, <laughs> apparently, apparently he can sing. And uh, but it's so cool to have. I guarantee you, it, it's a rare thing these days in ministry because sometimes ministers or leaders put ministry ahead of family. But thank God, and I learned this from Pastor John Elisa. Don't ever put ministry in front of your family. Never. Put your family first. Put God first. Put your family first. And in doing that, you're seeing a family move as one unit, breaking barriers together. That wasn't even in notes, but you can have that. First-generation pastor. So I am a first-generation pastor. We just brought our daughter to Texas, um, Anna Lynn. Some of you may know um, she runs now. She's the very first college athlete I dreamed of that, Pastor John. I had a, a basketball, my vertical's probably two inches. I just couldn't jump high, you know. I thought, I had a good shot, but I just couldn't jump. And, and I thought, I dreamed of, man, would anybody want me in college? No, nope, nobody wanted me. But Anna Lynn, holy cow, she has moved into the next phase of not only college, but playing a college sport, which... Again, if you're called there, only like 2% of all college athletes or high school athletes make it to college. Anyways, I say this as barrier breaker. She's a bar- she could have operated in fear. She put the work in too, and she is now there running. And thank God she gets a little bit of scholarship money. Amen. And the, 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 only, now the, the only challenge is, is, is being so far away, I can't fix stuff for her, and I can't, I can't like, um, find out if she's dating anybody apparently this guy named jack has come on the scene jack you're listening i just haven't really met you yet buddy but you're moving fast and apparently 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 she she likes jack and i told emily i said i said i don't know jack (laughs) and she she goes and she goes the holy spirit knows jack i said doggone it you got me again just like in the car the other day when we were having a little bit of a disagreement. And, and I, said, I said, Emily, I said, Here, here's the deal. It doesn't matter if you're right and I'm wrong or if I'm wrong and you're right. <laughs> and she started laughing. I thought, dang, she got me again. Um, anyways, I am not even my message yet. Bar- say barrier breaker. Barrier. Say I'm a barrier breaker. A barrier. The Bible's filled with barrier breakers. Abram to Abraham. Abram broke a barrier going, his name went father to father of many nations. We see barriers broken all the way through. Joseph, Moses, Joshua, Deborah, Gideon, Samuel, Ruth, David, prophets and priests, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and Paul. They all had to break barriers in order to affect the next generation for Jesus. And that's what he's calling us to do, to be barrier breakers today. Because in barrier breakers, are life changers, you are a barrier breaker. So I'm glad you're here today because church is one of the best places to be. You're in a place and surrounded by barrier breakers. You are. You have your own barrier breaker story. I know it. We just need to tell it. We just need to show people how God is breaking the barrier in our lives you are among great leaders in Pastor John and Lisa. Again, they're barrier breakers. You know, I was here back in the day when they were in the auditorium, the middle school, packing up, putting it in, packing up, tear down, whatever you got to do. That's not an easy chore. Thankfully, we came in about six months before they left, so we didn't, we didn't get the full, uh, full uh, thing of that, but, but they went from there, to then having their own sanctuary of about 100 people right next door. I was a part of that. It was great. And then we thought, you know what? Let's break another barrier. They broke another wall, made a larger sanctuary, which is now the youth room back there. Very cool. And now here we are today, a larger sanctuary because a barrier was broken. Yeah. Barrier breaker leaders are the leaders you want to be around, I'll tell you right now. Here's what I want to say to you guys for a moment, <laughs> Okay you didn't realize that being a barrier breaker also creates barrier breakers. Yeah. And that's why the barrier breakers, that, that, that's, why, that's why when people, when you raise up people and they're called, i.e. us, to Cadillac, you've created a barrier breaker. Isn't that good? So, so, so it makes sense that when someone, and by the way, many people have come out, oh, I almost fell off, have come out of, of their ministry together and they are now ministering all over the place. They're all over the place. Why? Barrier breakers. See, if you, so really it's your fault <laughs> because, because, because you, you could be fearful leaders that, that never go anywhere, but you're barrier breakers. Yeah. That you, you want to make as many barrier breakers as you possibly can because that's how, that's how the world's affected. So it's awesome to see it. It's awesome to see, you know, uh, the, the Corbin in worship. And I, Again, I'm, just, I, I'm, I'm an exhorter, an encourager, but, um, you know, I, I just said, I just said uh, Pastor John, that's your best worship leader yet. And I was here for, for seven years. And I thought I was decent, you know. But <laughs> I was old school, man. Uh, we, they've had some incredible worship leaders, but, but, but you're the best yet. And I, I really believe that um, that's just the blessing of God. The blessing of God and you're you're not I mean you're you're incredibly talented no doubt but it's your heart dude it is your heart that is very very um, real and open to all of us so just need to say that too okay you guys ready <laughs> you're not getting out of here till Oh uh, no just kidding um you are in the midst of barrier breakers say I'm a barrier breaker Man, you have a story. You got, I would love to hear your barrier breaker story, man, because I'm sure it's powerful. Steve Jobs said, surround yourself with the dreamers and the doers, the believers and thinkers, but most of all, surround yourself with those who see greatness within you, even when you don't see it yourself. Barrier breakers. That's what I was when I was here. It's cool uh, seeing uh, Jason who was on the drums, and he reminded me that he goes, Pastor Dan, w- a long time ago, you taught me my first guitar chord, just G. It's all I knew. <laughs> you know. I thought that's really interesting, man. Way back then, um, Jason Shattuck, you know, he's he, uh, I coach him in basketball. He didn't even knew I was a pastor. But anyways, those. Beginnings are so powerful, but in God's kingdom, they never end. So, so never despise the, the, the little seeds and things you're doing, the little barriers you're breaking because they're changing lives. And Abraham is here where we go. He's maybe the central theme of, of this for a moment. Abraham was asked by God, challenged by God to break a barrier. In Genesis, you can read it for yourself, but he was living good, a very wealthy city. His dad owned a business. They were idol makers. He had everything he needed, very comfortable. He was comfortable, but he wasn't content. And when you're, whenever you're comfortable and not content, that's a great place to be. Whenever you're, whenever you're comfortable and content, you have to start praying and ask God, what's going on here? Because I think the walk of Jesus, yes, it's comfortable. It, it's, we're, we're comforted. But we always need to be a little discontent knowing that we, we have to push forward to something else and break through. So Abraham was discontent. And all of a sudden, God, God says, Abraham, if you, if, you get out of your, if you get out of your comfortable environment or your comfortable environment of your heart, let's put it that way, if, if you just think not to settle anymore, I'm going to bless you. And this is what he says in Genesis 12 too. If you have your Bibles or your phones... And Genesis 12, 2 says, Abraham, I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that, very key word, so that you'll be a blessing. A lot of people think that, Lord, bless me, bless me, bless me, and they forget that the blessings that you get are the blessings that you give. It's not the blessings that you take for yourself. It's the blessings that you have for yourself. Praise God if you have a boat, but take, take someone out in that boat. Bless them. Take them out. Praise God that you have money, but bless someone with money. Bless the ministry. Praise God you have talent, but give that talent away. Amen. So, so Abraham says, "I'm going to make you. I'm going to give you blessings so that you'll be a blessing." And that is what God did, and we're here today because of that promise. Abraham broke through a barrier, broke out of the the comfortable environment, and moved, and was obedient to God, just like Pastor John and Lisa. I'm guarantee you every time they said, you know what, we need to break down a wall. I'm sure they said, oh man, they went into their prayer room and they said, God, how are we gonna do this? But you know what, they did it with God. Every time, it was never comfortable. It was God, how are we gonna do it? This doesn't make sense. And here we are today again because willing to break through the predictable and comfortable to be blessed. Blessed. Even uncomfortable situations need to be embraced in our lives. Amen? I don't think comfortable and Christian even go together. They don't. I've, at least I've known that in, in, in ministry and. Walking in life, they just don't. I learned this early on when I first met Emily. I grew up in an environment where, man, you, you didn't you didn't hug, you didn't kiss, you didn't encourage each other. We were, we, you know, I had two older brothers. You know, we weren't we weren't hugging before school. We we're probably fighting. You know, there was a bloody nose every once in a while, and, and uh, that's that's that was our environment. It was it was just wasn't the greatest environment. So because of that, we were very standoffish. We didn't we didn't hug. So I meet Emily. And her family was completely different. They were all together. They would gather for for family get-togethers, have dinner, and, you know, make up things to get together. And I'm like, man, oh, man, this is just different and awkward and uncomfortable. Well, there's one person that was very huggy, kissy, and that was her grandma, who's not here with us today, but bless her heart. But she was very huggy and kissy. Have you ever heard this story, by the way? Okay. Okay, I'll just say it again. Very hugging, kissy. And um, she, at every gathering, would find someone to hug and kiss. I knew that. So every time at the gathering, I would walk through the door, avoid her, wave, and then go sit down on a couch so that I wouldn't have to hug and kiss her. Just uncomfortable. And one day, it was just after New Year's, there was another Eldersveld family gathering at her house, <clears throat> and I totally forgot it, oblivious, and I'm walking Walking through the door, and I remembered, I looked around, there was no place to sit. And there was Grandma Evie. Cute little Grandma Evie, about five foot three, five foot zero, tiny, tiny, but joy. And I saw her, and she saw me, and it was like this aisle, and she's there, and I'm here. And I went, Oh man, I'm stuck. Like, I have nowhere to go, and here she comes. And she's coming at me, and it was like ABC slow motion. Where all of a sudden, like, please get me out of here. I'm so afraid. I don't know what this is going to happen. This is not going to go right. And literally, what happens is we met right in the middle, in front of everybody. And she grabs me and she pulls me. in. I thought, I gotta just—I've never done this. I think I'll just try to kiss her cheek. And I, I, we go in, and it happens. And I find myself kissing her eye. <laughs> True story. I'm literally got my lips and her eyelashes in between my lips. <laughs> True story. And I'm, I, I, didn't, I didn't. I was. I closed my eyes and I'm like, oh, I hope this works out. It didn't work out. I because I didn't. I've never done it before. I was on. It was uncomfortable, but I did it. And I just backed up and I looked at her and I said, I'm sorry. So I said, and I walked, I just walked away. And that was, that was it. But that wasn't the first time Emily had another grandma, and a German grandma that was really strong, but she would, she was in a wheelchair at the time. And you'd go over to her house and, and she'd grab you and pull you down. I thought, oh no. And here she comes and yanks my head down. And I'm just like, I got it. I'm going to get her cheek. I'm going to get it. Yanks me. I kissed the back of her neck. And I swear, and I think she looked at me. She went, hmm, a little frisky there. And uh, I said, I'm married. True story. True story, I'm telling you. There's no embellishing of that. So I'm learning how to embrace the uncomfortable. There's a point to this. <laughs> because the only way to really truly be blessed is to become a barrier breaker. And being a barrier breaker is uncomfortable. That's why the Holy Spirit's called the comforter, because you will find yourself in uncomfortable, seemingly impossible unimaginable places, and you're going to need God like you've never needed Him before. The experts said that you couldn't break a four-minute mile. They said that if you tried, you'd die. The body couldn't take it. People were trying it for many years, and all of a sudden, 1940, somebody pushed it to four minutes and one second. And then for nine years, nothing happened. And then in 1954, Roger Bannister broke it by running a 359.4 mile. And he said he, said, he said he relentlessly visualized the achievement in order to create a sense of certainty in his mind and body. He was so focused on getting that done that it happened. My point is this. One month later, a guy named John Landy broke the four-minute mile, three minutes, 57 seconds. A few years after that, 20 people broke the four-minute mile. Now it's almost routine. routine. Roger Bannister, a barrier breaker. Now, once people saw it, they were able to do it. Amen? As you break a barrier and people see it, now they get to do it. It's so important that we embrace becoming a barrier breaker. I love what Jesus said, because barrier breakers do things out of the norm, out of the box, and out of the blue. He said, Jesus looked at them and said, with man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. And in the context of that scripture, he's talking about four things. Marriage, staying pure, living childlike, and having no little gods that you're attached to. And when you think of those four things, you think, man, that seems impossible. I, I want to have a great marriage. Or I, I, wa- I want to keep myself pure. I don't want to have things that have me, Right? little gods, I want to I wanna do everything God's called me to do in this world. And, and, and Jesus is saying, hey, to do that with, God, with man, it's impossible. With God, it's possible. You can. You can live. And he's saying, if you want to be a barrier breaker, man, if you do the important things right, I'm going to give you two things that I believe barrier breakers have and barrier breakers give to the next generation. They're already in you. But they're so critical for the next generation. And what are they? Number one, it's your perseverance. Say perseverance. Perseverance. Your perseverance is so critical for the next generation. We say, well, I, I don't think I got that in me. Well, you're wrong. Because let me tell you why you're wrong. Because when your mom and dad had this great idea of having you, in that very moment, as I'm looking around trying to make sure this goes right, in that moment when they thought about having you, well, in that moment, 500 million candidates were released to head to the mothership. <laughs> Speaking in code, 500. I know, people are like, oh, no, this is church? Yeah, this is church. 500, say, say 500 million. 500 million. All with completely different DNA. Only God could do that. All with completely unique DNA, 500 million. It's about an 11-day journey. You get to the mothership. There's only about a handful of you left. You know what happens? You still got to get through the mothership. You got to open up the door. Guess who opened up the door? Raise your hand. Everyone. Everyone raise your hand. You are the best. You did it. You are the barrier breaker. You're the very best. Out of 500 million to one, you're the one. So when you say you can't do it, you're actually lying. Right? Because you're, you're, you're already a barrier breaker. You already persevere. So next time you want to quit, which we've all wanted to quit, I, I can't, there, are times when, there are times when I fired myself Monday morning, Pastor John. I said, Dan, you're fired. I rehired myself that afternoon. But I fired myself. I did, oh, you're fired. Okay. Where I wanted to just run and, like I said before, stack lumber at Home Depot because it just, just to look at wood and talk to wood. But I didn't quit, and we persevere because it's in me because I want to be a barrier breaker. I believe the next generation just needs to see Galatians 6-9 fulfilled in your life, which is there's a harvest waiting for those who don't quit. Come on. And when the next generation sees that you don't quit... I'm telling you, it is a powerful, powerful message and example to them, your children, your children's children, to see that determination. And so God spoke this to me. I thought this was very powerful. Just, just having a conversation with him, and he spoke this phrase to me. He said, Dad, 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 Dad. He said, Dan, God cannot bless you if he's always chasing you. God will bless you when you chase him. God cannot bless us if he's always chasing us. God can only bless us when we chase him. Please hear that. Please hear that. Some of us are so stuck in different directions, chasing something else, chasing a person, chasing a thing, chasing a strategy, and God says, no, 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 stop. I can't bless you. I'd like to. This is the only way I bless you. Chase me. Turn around. Start chasing God. You bring your perseverance. And secondly, and I'm going to spend the rest of my time on this moment, you bring his presence. Say his presence. These are two things that are so critical for not only you, but the next generation. I call it the it factor. Abraham had it, understood it, Moses experienced it, David pursued it, Jesus possessed it. It set them apart from all others. And it's not because the, the it factor is not because People are loud Or they, they're like a supermodel Or do things To draw attention to themselves They just have that Something different And I call it The presence of God Because the presence of God Is the ultimate Difference maker The presence of God His presence my friends Is the only thing in life That has the power To permeate Every single thing In an environment Human Animal and inanimate object. Think about that. Everything can be touched when the presence of God shows up and changed in a positive way. Isn't that awesome? That's why we need the presence of God in our lives. We need a personal touch from God in our lives. And the next generation needs his presence in order to break more barriers. So, what we say is in in our church, because I realize there are three prevalent walls to break in our lives. And we just have this declaration and we say, fear, pride, and shame must go in Jesus' name. It's really simple. But when you declare it in your home, in your life, those are the three things that hinder people most of all in life right there fear, pride, and shame. It's not who you are, it's not who you are, that's not your heart. Those are things that were put on you from an enemy. He wants to put fear on you. He wants to put pride on you. And he wants to put shame on you. Three roots, root sins that the enemy uses to affect our lives. So I just say this. We'll say it together. Say fear, pride, Pride. and shame Shame. must go in Jesus' name. Now, say it all together. Ready? Fear, pride, and shame must go in Jesus' name. Say it again. Fear, pride, and shame must go in Jesus' name. One more time. Fear, pride, and shame must go in Jesus' name. It's a powerful declaration that literally tells the enemy, you can't have any of this. In my own life, I mean, I've spoken in my own life, like I'm fearful or prideful. In Jesus' name, that's not who I am. Those are things that the enemy's tried to put on me. It's not your heart. We need his presence. We need that supernatural thing that affects people's lives in a powerful and positive way. God's presence in you, God's presence with you, and God's presence around you changes the next generation. So you might be living right now with, without the workings of the very presence of God in your life. And I'm encouraging you to grab everything you can right now, call the presence of God, God Himself, in order to change you and I from the inside out. He wants to break down the wall today. Today is a day of forgiveness. Today is the day where, where, where God breaks the wall of bitterness, my friends. Makes sense that the the central theme of the cross is forgiveness. Thank you, Jesus, right? But I found out one thing as I've traveled through life, and that is human beings have a tendency to have a short term memory regarding God's miracles and a long term memory regarding people's mistakes. Please hear this it's anti kingdom. We're supposed to have a long-term memory regarding God's miracles. Isn't it amazing when all of a sudden God does something a week ago, you forgot about it. Man, God just healed someone. God did this and that. All of a sudden, we can tend to forget about it and complain. But when someone steps on our shoe or does something to us, man, that thing's been there for 10 years. It should not be, my friends. We should have a long-term memory regarding God's miracles and a short-term memory regarding people's mistakes. Love covers a multitude of sins. Those who, if you cover another person's fault, Bible says you seek love. So in this moment, you may need to break a barrier of bitterness. Emily did it. My wife. Some of you know her story. Google it. Go on YouTube, 700 Club Story. Emily Klotz, you'll find out that she went through a, could have been a tragedy horrible situation and came out of that with a wall in her life. Bitterness. Non-forgiveness. And she was challenged in a moment for God to break that wall in his presence. She made the decision and now literally thousands and thousands of people have been healed through the testimony of forgiveness. She became a barrier breaker and now, people's lives are changed all over the place. Every time she speaks, gives her testimony, you believe the things that happened. Marriage is restored. People healed from, from, from unforgiveness towards themselves of you know, having you know, abortions and stuff like that that they didn't realize that God forgave them and loved them. And this message is powerful, but, but here's what I'm gonna tell you something. You're a barrier breaker. You have a story. You have something to give that's gonna help someone. And bless them. Say, I'm a barrier breaker. So we learn to love and live in his presence. But I got to show you something as we finish. This, this verse floored me when I, when, I, when I saw it. And I want to focus just this moment on a guy named Joshua. Abraham, father of faith. You know a guy named Moses. He led him out of Egypt. Well, Moses brought them out of the, the wilderness, and now they're heading to the promised land. And Joshua was the guy to lead them to the promised land. Matter of fact, Joshua was such a great leader. He was so determined. He took more land than any other historical, biblical leader than we know. He was an incredible leader. And I've always read about him, an example, but this is what I read in Judges 2. At the end of Joshua's life, this is what is written about the generation after him judges 2:10 says after that generation died this is after Joshua died another generation grew up who did not acknowledge the Lord or remember the mighty things he had done for Israel those are his kids and his grandkids mighty Joshua The the, the one who saw Jericho fall, the one who who defeated AI, the one who took more land than than, than we could ever imagine. Yet his leadership, what he did, something happened where the next generation forgot about God. They even forgot about the miracles God did. Oh, wow. Talk about a short-term memory. And I said, Lord, how did this happen? And he said, Dan, go back to the beginning. I said okay I will so I went back to the beginning and I found out how Joshua started Joshua started in the very presence of God Moses his mentor led him into this tent of meeting called the presence of God it's like like a church he led him to church he goes hey he goes Joshua we're going to church we're going to be around a bunch of people, but we're going to be in the presence of God. And they went in there together, and Moses mentored Joshua in the very presence of God. Can you imagine just sitting in a tent and being with God, and God says, I love you. You're going to do it. I'm encouraging you. You're going to be a barrier breaker. And, and, and that's what happened. And Moses did that. And I want to read something to you that's powerful. And this is, this is where Joshua began. Exodus 33:11 says the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Then Moses would return to the camp, but his young aide Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. Did you hear that? Moses Moses is mentoring Joshua. Moses says, well, I'm done. I got to go talk to some of my leaders. So he heads out of the tent. He's going to talk to him, but yet guess who stays? Joshua. Joshua stays in the presence of God why is that critical why is it important because this is what I found out at the end of Joshua's life Joshua did not mentor someone in the presence of God Joshua didn't do what Moses taught him to do the presence of God didn't translate to the next generation it didn't Joshua was determined but he lost his devotion is anybody here the personal touch from God. I know my, my voice is very soothing. It makes people fall asleep. It's okay, I get it. <laughs> but don't make me have your neighbor turn around and pinch you, because I will. I will do it right now. <laughs> Nobody's sleeping here. Just if you're about to. You guys, at the end of Joshua's life, God says to Joshua, you're tired, you're weary, you're done. He goes, look at you, Joshua, you're wrinkled, your hair's falling out. Man, hey, you did great, but you're done, buddy. At the end of Moses' life, the Bible says he, it was like he was 20 years old. He had vigor, he had strength, he looked good. He had the fire in him. Why? The presence of God. Moses was spending time with God at the end of his life. Joshua forgot to. Please hear that. And therefore, a generation after him forgot the presence of God. And when you forget the presence of God, you'll forget the works of God. Every time. Every time, if we forget the presence, if we leave his presence, we'll forget how great he is. Think about this Acts, the presence of God falls. The presence of God falls on those in the upper room. Peter goes out in boldness and he preaches a message, Pastor John, two minutes and 39 seconds. I timed it. I preached the same message from the Bible. Two minutes. 39 seconds just came from the presence of God, and 3,000 people got saved. Wow. Sometimes, Pastor John, I'm sweating, preaching a message, hoping that one person gets saved. <laughs> I'm trying. Maybe I need more of God's presence. But, but, but you know what I'm saying? It's not just the presence in me. How can I connect with your, the presence in you? See, if you're hungry, if I'm hungry, I need you to be hungry. Pastor John, and Lisa, need you to be hungry. By the way, the presence of God—you know what it does? It makes you hungry. When you're in the presence of God, you'll find joy and you'll healing. Come on, rest, refreshing. Listen, the presence of God will make you hungry. How do I know if I'm in, I'm in His presence? I'll be hungry, because three days before Pentecost, three days before the Holy Spirit and His presence fell, they just killed Jesus. The environment, the appetite of the environment was—we just killed Jesus, and all of a sudden, the presence of God comes and like. <gasps> We killed Jesus, we need to repent. Look at how the presence of God changes an environment, makes people hungry. Some of you just need to quickly, at the end of this message, you need to say, God, I am so sorry. I have followed, I've been so determined with a goal that I've missed you. So Joshua, at the end of his life, accidentally taught all the people to learn to love God's hand instead of his heart's. that's why I love Pastor John as, as, a, well, as a man, I better be careful <laughs> <I'm married. laughs> come here it's funny, yeah, we, we, we had a fun time we were here, there's no doubt um, Pastor John's a worship leader so, so is Lisa, they're worship leaders they are um, they love the presence of God man they love God's presence that's how you know this thing is gonna keep going. That's how you know barrier breakers, are going to be because they, but if they ever decide to just be determined to do something man's way, trouble's coming. But they don't. Consistently say, God, we need your presence. That's why God blesses them with worship leaders. I thought I was the best, apparently not. No, <laughs> He blesses them with worship leaders that know God's presence. Why? Because God knows what He wants to do five, 10, 20 years from now. Their kids, their grandkids, are gonna be leading and preaching. Matter of fact, Corey, who is, where's Corey? He's not even here. He snuck out. He's, he, anyways, I don't know. Anyway, Corey, you'll hear this today. I'm so proud of Corey. Because a few years ago, we had a word from him that said, Corey, you got to preach in you. Like, there's a preach in you. And we're like, hey, we're just going to be obedient. Guess what? He's preaching. Yeah. Pastoring and preaching. Corey, second generation. Look at that. Isn't that awesome? Barrier breakers. Yeah. Almost done. You are a barrier breaker Because I don't want to end up with another generation not knowing God. Wow. I don't want to be in heaven thinking, my heavenly father saying, Dan, man, you got so caught up in stuff. You got caught up so much in the process that you forgot my presence. Like, Lord, I don't want that. Listen, when when, when you are dependent and needy on God, presence comes. If you just say, I need you. I I say, I need you, God, all the time. We went to Cadillac. Man, did we need him. We needed him, especially the first five years. It was battle after battle after battle after battle. God sending us as a barrier breaker to break whatever he broke, man. He had to break a bunch of stuff up there. But I need him every day. God, I need you. God, I need you. I can't do this without you, just like Moses said. I don't want pride to set in. I definitely don't want shame to be put on me. I want to know who I am in Christ. And fear, I'm going to punch it square in the neck every time it comes. Amen. Square in the neck, face, whatever you want to do. Joshua forgot to mentor someone in the presence of God. And therefore, a whole generation lost the heart of God. And therefore, they lost the personal touch of God. The, 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 the kiss on, on the on the eye moment right that should become the norm that type of personal relationship and presence of god should become the norm because when that happens in our lives guess what happens again joy rest refreshing healing all found in the very presence of god if i'm judgmental if i'm worrying That's not the presence of God. That's something else. I'm fearful. That's not the presence of God. But when I'm spending time with God in his presence, guess what? It doesn't just say some joy, the fullness of joy. Some of you need your joy back. Some of you need the personal touch back again. Listen, it's in you. If you know Jesus, God lives in you. If you don't, you call him out. Call in the name of the Lord and have God live inside of you say personal, though, because I finish here, because it's going to get a little personal right here. I, I found out, there's a, there's a study that, that, that says this, and something I didn't say in the first service, but I'm, as I finish up, some studies show that when you spend time in stores and touch the products, you're actually more likely to buy them. Merely touching an object results in an increase in perceived ownership of that object, and that's University of California study. And it makes sense because whenever we go into Target, I literally am praying that Emily doesn't go near the purse aisle. Because if she touches a purse, that thing's coming home. If she touches two purses, it's coming home. She takes ownership. I, I told her, I said, Emily, I think there's a demon in that aisle. Because every time we walk in, man, you are like lying to the purses. And, and, and because, because people know that when you touch something, when you hold it, when you put your hands on it, you take ownership of it. Come on. You take ownership of it. First John 1:1, we proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning, whom we have heard and seen. We saw him with our own eyes and touched him with our own hands, the word of life. There was something personal that happened, and I feel the presence of God right now knocking on your heart. I know it. I feel him. He's like, oh, man, here we go. Eyelash time right here. Eyelash time. Eyelash time. And I'll finish with this awesome story. Guy comes in my office. He has grown up in a very strict religious, abusive environment his whole life. He did not, the love of God was so far from him. Just, he had done things in his life that I can't even tell you that that he did. I mean, it was just, it was like, I can't believe I'm hearing this and I've heard a lot. And this guy was so messed up and wounded and he just came and he just said, I need help. And his wife was there, he goes, we need help and we don't know what to do. I said, well, I just said, Lord, I need help. <laughs> I said, I need help because I want this person to get free. So what it is, we prayed. I led him through this uh, forgiveness that David talks about in Psalm 32, I believe, where he walks him through forgiveness and confession. We did that. That was all good. He's feeling good. He's feeling lighter. But something hasn't broken through yet. I said, well, you got Jesus. You got the Holy Spirit in you, the presence of God. The presence of God is with you. We need the presence of God to be around you, come upon you. That's why I said, to, we need to, to, to fill you up. And so I said, let's go. So I just prayed a simple prayer. I said, Lord, fill me up. I said, he said, fill me up, God. I want everything that you have for me. And I began to pray in the spirit with him right there, and he's just struggling and struggling and struggling and struggling. And we stopped, and I knew I was, it was just hitting a wall. And I said, okay, I know God's saying something to you. What's he saying? He goes, this sounds weird, but I hear the word kusalu. I'm like, okay, kusalu. It's not an English word. I have no idea what that means. I said, let's do this. Let's say kusalu over and over and over again. So he goes, kusalu, kusalu. And about the fourth kusalu, boom, he breaks, he weeps, he cries. He was just a big old tattooed muscle guy just sobbing and crying and oh my goodness. I'm like, oh, look at what the presence of God just did. I said, what does kuslu mean? (laughs) So I looked it up, I I searched for it. It's like a Croatian-Russian word. So interesting. And it literally means to be married, Pastor John. In that moment, because he never knew the love of God, you know, by the way, when you... By the way, hey, guys, we're, we're called a bride. We're a bride, right? We're all a bride. We're heading to a wedding. God, in that moment, said to this man, I want to marry you. I want to marry you. And God married... And, and it's weird. I know it's weird. He married him and all of a sudden broke through all of that junk, got the love of God in his heart, and he was miraculously transformed before our eyes. His wife is crying. I'm like, man, that could not happen unless the presence of God was there and unless hearing from God and what to do next. Next step. Cool thing was this. About an hour later, I start getting phone calls from his family. <laughs> They're saying, we can't believe Like, they're talking to him on the phone. We cannot believe what just happened to so-and-so. We can't believe it. Can we come meet with you? (laughs) Like, well, it's not me, but I just want to show you something. Look how fast, when the presence of God works that way, how fast of a powerful advertisement for Jesus it is to the world, my friends. We need the presence of God in our lives so that we can give it to our children and our children's children so that the next generation remembers how good God is, how loving and caring, how powerful he is. Friends, we need the presence of God. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Bow your heads for a moment. I want to help you because the presence of God isn't something mysterious. It's God Almighty living inside of you, walking with you, working in you